Woo, Blaine and Mickey Tuesday edition. I uh, hope all of you had a uh, fantastic Memorial Day weekend. We want to uh, absolutely say once again, uh, nothing but a humble thank you to uh, all of those brave individuals who laid down their lives to give us our freedom so we can spend the day talking about sports or whatever it is that we do in this country because we get to do what we want to do in this country because of those people. Also, man, sending out thoughts and love to uh, all the families they left behind as well. Uh, but uh, didn't want to do this post Memorial Day show without certainly without acknowledging all those and, and all of our military people who listen, who put your lives on the line every day. We love you. We appreciate you. You are the backbone of everything that all of us do. We couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much. Uh, also wanted to say this happy birthday to the state of Tennessee, 225 years of this amazing state of Tennessee. Alex Apple is hanging in for Blaine today. Lucas Panzika producing. Lucas is an Alabaman. I'm an Arkansan. I, I won't claim that, though, Mickey. I won't claim that. Okay. Okay. But if I'm not mistaken, I think we do have a native Tennessean on the show co-hosting today. Alex Apple, your, your home state turns 225 years old today. It's about time this show gets a home Tennessean. You guys bring in all your now. For the record, For the record, I was born in Tennessee, all right? I lived 10 years <laughs> in Alabama to no fault of my own. And oh, where's where, Blaine from? Indiana? He is from Indiana. Yeah. Right. We're importing well, people to take jobs here. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll do my duty and speak for the fine people of this state then for at least another hour. And then they can say all the ways in which I fell short in that endeavor. 225 years, though. That's a good run. Also, I Lucas, just, that, that was that that had been going on. <clears throat> Instead of just adding this to the discussion, Lucas texted me to tell me uh, Morgan Freeman. He's 224 <laughs> today, I think. So he comes in right behind the state of Tennessee. Yeah. The fantastic actor uh, and music aficionado and more uh, Morgan Freeman. And a Tennessee born, a, a native Tennessean from Memphis. Oh, I didn't know that. He was I, I born in Memphis. I, oh, my gosh. OK. Well, I was born about an hour from Memphis for whatever that's worth. Is the thing why? Why do people from Memphis and Nashville still hate each other? Why is oh, that still that a could, thing? I mean, well, it, there's many reasons, but that you got, that definitely <laughs> still exists between the Titans, having played that one year in Memphis. I know. And then the well, Predators came and were Nashville instead of Tennessee. There was definitely some ill will at that point. Well, the Memphis Grizzlies—they're not the Tennessee Grizzlies. What, so. Why do you think they're the Memphis? Hey, that, maybe there was a retaliation. <laughs> right that you're saying? Yeah. Well. I grew up about an hour from Memphis, so I identify with Memphis a lot as a kid. We went there for concerts, you know, for a nice meal, for Memphis in May, for Barbecue Fest. So I identify. I got to play music as a teenager. I got to play on Beale Street as a child. I I had one really good night there. I had one really bad night there. But I did play there a couple times, which is something that I guess I don't think I even told my kids that because I don't know if they would care, but I'll tell them about it anyway. Um, but I identify with Memphis in a lot of ways. And when I came over here for the first time in the late nineties, something came up about Memphis one day and, and somebody just completely crushed Memphis. I said, what are you doing, man? It's Memphis has the three B's. They have blues, they have barbecue, they have basketball, and they do those three things fantastically. And I've enjoyed all three of those things in the city of Memphis. Now, every place has got its flaws and, and, you know, we could name them for anywhere, but the whole thing. Well, the NFL thing, I, I know where all that came from. When I was a kid and all through even into my teen years and into my 20s, the Liberty Bowl would host an NFL exhibition game. This was when exhibition games in the NFL really traveled. They Everywhere. There were exhibition games everywhere. 
And Memphis thought they were getting a lot of people that they had a coach, they had an expansion effort. They tried to get one of the two teams when Jacksonville and Carolina got their franchises. So Carolina, I guess, maybe if I remember right, memory serves, got theirs awarded first. Right. And so Memphis people thought, this is it. We're the next one. And then he gets announced to Jacksonville. And then not only that, then the Oilers, very short in short order, moved here, no stadium. They have to go all the way back there to play. And that I know that didn't help anything. But Were they going to put them in the Liberty Bowl? It's one of the yes. worst stadiums in the world. Yes, it is. They were going to put them in the Liberty Bowl. They had a Canadian League team for one year. They had World Football League for a year where they had Sanka and Kick and Paul Warfield in the 70s. They have the USFL, which did great. It was all in the Liberty Bowl, all of it. Memphis has an amazing football history that a lot of people don't know about. I mean, when I was a kid, Lex Luger and Reggie White played for the Memphis Showboats. And Walter Lewis from Alabama was the quarterback. I mean, the Showboats were a big deal. Well, but Memphis is a basketball town. It's it much, is. It's much better that they have met the Memphis Grizzlies, who I was bummed lost last night. Um, but I think the fit of basketball and football here in, in Nashville is a, is a lot better fit. Not to mention how the cities have grown. I mean, it's, it's much more difficult to come at it with a modern perspective, you know, or a 2021 perspective and make that comparison. I mean, and probably you can speak to this better than I. 1999, there wasn't that much difference. When the, when the Panthers were coming, the Jags were coming, the Titans were coming, right? I mean, yeah. you basically had two cities following the same arc. My fiance and I just went down there and went to the Lorraine Motel, and that still is one of the best um, museums. I mean, if you're a Tennessee and haven't been to the Lorraine Motel where Martin Luther King was shot, I mean, at the end, you can stand kind of right there where he was and look into mm-hmm. the, the rooms as they were. I mean, you talk about a kind of a solemn moment, but a, you know, such a powerful testament to history. Well, a lot of history down there for sure. A lot of great food. Our buddy Teresa Walker with the Associated Press, she covers the Grizz. So she goes down there all the time and posts all these food porn pics of donuts and, you know, Gus's fried chicken and whatever barbecue place she would eat. Today it was two boxes of donuts that she brought back with her. Um, but I, I, maybe we could all try to understand each other a little bit more. As somebody who's – I lived in Memphis for a while after college. I've lived in both. Maybe we could all try to meet somewhere in the middle. Jackson, you know, maybe we could all just try to to love each other more, to try to love each other a little bit more. Uh, Titans would love to sign Julio Jones. Here's the thing is we start the second hour of the show. There's nothing new. There's Ian Rappaport saying uh, on the Pat McAfee show that the only deadline for this is training camp because June 1st is not a deadline. It's just more of a, well, something could officially happen today. So all these Titans fans who are expecting, hey, man, hey, man clock's going to try, you know, strike midnight and then Julio Jones is going to show up and, you know, AJ Brown. But if you're basement. the Titans and you are interested, don't you want it kind of now? Right? Are you, I mean, does it does that really matter that little? No, you want it. I mean, you want this thing as soon as you can. It, and here's the crazy thing. So the Falcons there was I'm in Disney World. And I'm trying to follow this with no phone service just whenever I can and I'm trying to be present. But, you know, like at night, I would lay down in my bed exhausted. And I would say, okay, let me try to scroll through Twitter and see what happens. I, I want to just be focused on having a good time with my family and my kids. I really didn't tweet anything at all. I just wanted to be in the moment, and I was. But at night, when everybody went to bed, I would look at my phone and try to figure out, you know, what's going on with any of this stuff, just so I would know. And you had pro football talk, which said the widespread belief is the Titans are going to get Julio Jones for a, sec- or a second-round pick. 
Then you have ESPN reporting that the Falcons were literally holding on to a potential trade that included a first round pick. And just there were different angles of this story from all these different entities. But here's the thing. If they really have a first round pick offer. I don't believe that they have a first round pick offer. Wouldn't you have called in the trade to the commissioner Right, moved on with your life at this point? And here's the risk if you're the Titans, right? And you want to wait, you know, maybe the price goes down because Atlanta really needs to get rid of him. They don't want him on the books. And maybe it works out perfectly for you. Or you're one, T.Y. Hilton drops a weight on his foot in the weight room. The Colts realize they really need a a receiver. And now for a second round pick, he's on the Colts and you're playing against him. I mean, that's the risk there. If I'm the Titans, I, I don't look at it like a clowny situation, which was largely a medical situation in a pandemic year. So you could wait because you couldn't really work him out. It was hard to get your hands on. I don't think you, I look at it the same way. I mean, I could be wrong on that. And there may be you know, some inherent benefit that we're not discussing it for waiting. Uh, but, if, but if the Titans really want him, go get him. That's, I yeah. mean, go get him now, not two months from now where you give yourself 60 days for somebody else to snatch him. Yeah, I, I agree. If, if you're going to pay whatever now, if you're going to pay it in two weeks or three weeks, just pay it now and, you know, restructure Tannehill. There's myriad number of people, including the spot track guy, Mike Gennetti, who's been on here before. You can restructure Ryan Tannehill, convert some of his signing bonus or some of his salary to a signing bonus. You could immediately create 15.6 million of cap space and Julio Jones' salary this year is 15.3, you know. So that's kind of where you are on this. Uh, so it's I think doable. there's no question it makes them better. I mean, and that's the end of the day, the, the, whole, the whole point of it. We'll, well ask Coach Mack. He's next. We will. Coach Dave McGinnis coming up, brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. We can talk about this. We can talk about OTAs. Titans have been on the field. All that and more It's coming up. Blaine and Mickey with special guest host Alex Apple filling in for Blaine on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Special guest Lucas Panzica playing the special music for Coach Mack. Actually, he's not a special guest. He produces us every day. Alex Apple is the special guest, though, filling in for Blaine. It's a lot to get to, Coach. It's the 225th birthday of Tennessee today. So happy birthday to Tennessee. Also, we got into this lengthy discussion because I want people from Memphis and Nashville to get along better than what they do because I've lived in both places. I gave sort of an off-the-cuff history of pro football in Memphis. And I don't know if I maybe I got off on some details or something, coach, but we have a net on the line who wants to join the discussion who worked for the World Football League in Memphis. Annette, welcome to the show. Hit us with some history. Thank you you so much. I listen every day. I, uh, I, you know, I can get the uh, the thought about the Memphis and Nashville being so, so different. I went to high school here, Joelton High School, which is no longer um, a high school, of course, 1970, and um, worked all four years in college in the sports information department. My first two years at Middle Tennessee State under the wonderful Jim Freeman, and then I transferred to Memphis State at the time uh, and worked all worked two years there. So um, I had a job literally waiting for me when I came out of college with the World Football League in 1974. It was fabulous two years with the uh, Wonderful, wonderful stories. Or as I and say, so what a did you do for people have to do. Um, I was in the PR department. I was a journalism major at Memphis State and uh, wrote sports, always worked in sports, as I said, all those years in the sports information department. 
And, and so Mr. Bassett, who was the owner of that team, was just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, my boyfriend at the time, who became my husband briefly later on, ran Fridays in, in Memphis, which was a fabulous hot place in the early 70s. And uh, Mr. Bassett and the coaches and players, of course, would congregate there. And my boyfriend at the time, who ran the place, said, hey, my girlfriend's in sports information and is about to graduate. and um, met with them and got a job. Annette, that's amazing. Uh, it, and you guys had some real star power on that team. I mean, you recruited some Miami Dolphins superstars to come and play in Memphis, yes, Tennessee. Yes, the, the, second, the second year. The second year we got uh, uh, Zonka Kick and Warfield, of course, to come to Memphis. And at the time, and I wrote a story about this many, many years ago, so I followed after after the World Football League, I followed – as the PR director for the Atlanta Hawks when Mr. Turner on the team, and then uh, World Tennis, the PR person for the Men's Tennis Tour back in the 70s, the golden age of tennis, Borg, McEnroe, Connors. Um, but in the Memphis days, it was the most fun you can ever imagine. And when Zonka Kick and Warfield came to town, as I was about to mention, I'd written a story. Not, of course, it's so long ago, I've forgotten some of the details, although I have tons of press clippings. You know, they were making almost nothing in Miami, literally nothing in today's terms, like under $100,000. People can't believe that when you think about it. But they each got, Zonka got just a hair over a million, as did Warfield, and I think kicked, you know, around 900000 again, as my memory's going. And uh, it was a fabulous time because our coach, the wonderful John McVeigh, grandpa to Sean McVeigh, now with the L.A. Rams, was our head coach. And we had Heisman wow. Trophy winner John Hewitt the first year right. in 74. Danny White, who went on to play at the Cowboys. And, of course, you know, the star power, as you mentioned, was Zonka Kick and Wolfhelp. Well, Annette, this is fascinating. And here's what we need to do. You keep in touch. Make sure Lucas gets your info. We need When we get back in the studio, you just need to come and hang out and tell stories for like an hour on the air one day. That'd be fantastic. I thought about it for so many years, and I'm so technically bad at phone, email, text, all that sort of thing. And heaven knows what I would Twitter if I tried to do that. But, uh, yeah, I want to do that. I've been meaning to call for a long, long time. So, Well, uh, you are now my favorite caller that we have on the station, period. So it, you, Lucas can put you back on hold. He can get your info. But let's keep this conversation going again someday, all right? And I, I don't know who the mayor of Jolton is. I, I hear you guys say that all the time, but I never called a name. But <laughs> Well, we just hope you guys have dug out of the snow over there. We know Jolton and Snowton. But, Annette, thank uh, you for the oh, phone I'm, call. We'll I've catch always, up I, I've always lived in town. But um, my brother, who's 81, still lives in Jolton, the only place he's ever lived except when he was away in college playing football. Well, we love it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yes, ma'am. Annette, how about that, Coach Mack? I don't know. There are a lot of people who've seen other leagues kind of come and go, but the World League, when they started, their deal was, like she said, they found a bunch of underpaid NFL superstars and offered them all kinds of money to come and play. Well, that's the same thing that happened uh, with USFL. USFL, too. yeah. You know, no, that, that, that's the way they got those guys to come there. I mean, they, you know, they were taking number one draft choices, Herschel Walker and, you know, the whole, the whole crew. Uh, that's the way those that's the way those leagues started up, and what they were trying to do is they you know they were getting uh, people uh, with money that wanted to start, and then they were what they were wanting to do is is somehow maybe get one or two teams assimilated 
in the National Football League. You know, the NFL did that with the AFL, but right. they weren't going to do that to anybody else because they knew they knew this was going to happen. You're going to run out of money. You're going to run out of money because they didn't have they did not have enough people at the games and they did not have a big enough TV contract. And so, you know, those players, you can't blame those players, you know, Kick and Zonka and Warfield for leaving at the end of their career, you know, for, for a lot of money because, you know, people don't understand. I mean, when I, when I got to the Bears, I mean, Walter Payton, when I got there at the end, you know, towards the end of Walter's career, he, he just got his first million-dollar contract about yeah. 10 years into his career. So, uh, you know, you can't blame those guys for doing it, but that's what they were doing. They were throwing money at those, at those guys and then just hoping, hoping, that they could they could last long enough that they might get assimilated. You know, they never did, but uh, it's pretty interesting. Well, Coach well, Mack, not- people keep trying. I mean, are we gonna? Is there is there any space now for another league in the spring, or you well, ne- spring, do you ever but, see that being successful? The spring is fine. I mean, the, the, the spring. I think the spring has got. A, 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 I thought the alliance had a chance. You know, but Charlie Ebersol spent too much money too early. You know, and he was, and, and what he did, he overpaid, he overpaid the coaches. They weren't paying the players, but they overpaid the coaches. And then they tried to overstaff all of those teams. That's how Charlie Eversall ran out of money. Uh, it wasn't just, you know, paying the players, but there's a, there's a place for it in the spring. I mean, I would go to those games down there in Birmingham, you know, with, with Chris Mortensen, because his son Alex was, was coaching, you know, there on the, on, on the iron. And, you know, we were watching it, and when you watched what they were doing, everything they were doing protocol-wise, they had NFL people working it. And so it had a chance to go, but they just had to know what their niche was. You know, don't try to be something that you can't be. Just stay just stay into what you are. Yeah, there's a. I think there's a real chance, a real place for a, a spring league, but it's got to have money. Mm-hmm. Coach Dave McGinnis on with us, brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage at an affordable price. Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered. Coach has us covered every Tuesday, usually in hour number two of the show. Let's get into this. We can get into the Julio Jones thing, Coach, but I want to ask you this. When you, as a, as a staff, you're sitting around and you're trying to make a deal or not on an established player in the league, but you know it's going to take a first-round pick, a second-round pick, what does a guy have to have shown you or what all goes into the thought press, the thought process of sacrificing a top level pick saying, okay, we'll trade you this first or second rounder to bring this guy in because this guy can do what? Is it because he's the guy that can take that last step to the Super Bowl for the team? What would you have to see from somebody to give up such a high draft pick to get them? Well, first of all, nobody, no one player can guarantee you a Super Bowl. That's just, the way it is. I mean, that's just, you know, that, that's not, that, that's not what you do it for. What you do it for is to try to round, round out your roster. But the first thing you do when you're going after a, a veteran player that is carrying a pretty good paycheck and it's going to cost you something, get, you look at his health. That's what you look at because it, you know, if you, if you bring a guy in and he's only available for three games or four games or five games, then you haven't helped yourself at all. So the, the whole health check on a veteran player is the biggest thing that, that you look at first. And then you look at, the, you look at the compensation as to how it's going to not only affect what you're doing financially with your club this year, but what you, it's going to do to your, your club you know, in, in, in the future years. You've got to weigh all of that. And then the other thing that you, you have to be able to weigh is, is, is how much, just like what uh, the Titans did with Miami, how much are they willing to pay? Because, look, Atlanta can't carry it. 
they, 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 they've already, they, they cannot carry it. So how much are they willing to pay to be able to take that number off of their books? That's what you're looking at right now. And so there's a whole lot of different permutations to it, but you don't bring a guy in saying, this is the last final piece because there's just too much that can go on in a 17 week season for one guy to be the final piece. Is there a certain number of years? Let's say they, let's say he gets a second round pick gets gets you Julio Jones. Is there a certain number of years in your mind you think if we trade away a second, we need to get at least this many years out of this guy if we can? Well, the other thing you look at is Julio Jones. Is he going to want to redo his contract? You know, right. when he gets here, that's big. I mean, you know, if he wants to redo his contract, you know, very seldom do players want to redo their contracts for less money. You know, I mean, that just, you know, that doesn't happen. So you've got to look at all of those things that are happening. I mean, I, you know, I, all of those things have to go into consideration and those things have to go into consideration. You know, I think Jimmy Sexton is his agent. All of those things have to go in, in conjunction with the agent. So there's a lot of things that go on there and it has to be, it has to be a win-win for both, uh, both parties, you know, the player, and then the club that's, that's acquiring a player, and also, you know, the, the the club that is that is losing the player too. But if they've already made the decision that he's not going to be with them, then yeah. they're going to have to give up give up something to be able to take that off their books. Yeah, absolutely. Coach Dave McGinnis joins us like he does every Tuesday uh, in the second hour of the program. Coach, let me ask you this: uh, AJ Brown, whomever else, uh, Taylor Lewan on social media campaigning for Julio or any other player for that matter, doesn't really ma- mean anything. I, I mean, I wouldn't think. But would a player like that pick up the phone and call John Robinson? I mean, is there a culture in some organizations where that would matter to a GM, or is that just basically something for us to talk about on the radio? Well, I mean, you know, the, the players, you know, talking to a player or calling a player saying they would like him. There, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it's it, it goes on all the time. Ever since free agency has started, that has gone on because, uh, you know, and if a player calls a player and talks to him about coming to their place, uh, it's not tampering. You know, they're just, you know, players are players, you know, talking on the grapevine like they always do. And so but as far as, you know, saying, is that going to be the, the factor that swings it? It's not going to be the factor that swings it, but it'd be, it's nice to know that if you are the player that is being pursued, that the other players on the team really would like to have you. That matters because, you know, the culture in the locker room matters. And, and as you're coming in, especially as a big time player like Julio Jones is, uh, you know, you like to know that the guys that you're coming to really want you there. So it doesn't hurt at all. But if you're Ryan Tannehill or A.J. Brown, do you, would you anticipate that they've said anything to John Robinson, even if it's passing in the hallway, tongue-in-cheek, how you doing, hey, bring Julio? Or is that something that they really wouldn't broach with him, uh, you know, in that type of manner? Well, they could say it to him. You know, they could absolutely say it to him, Alex. It's just not going to sway the case with the general manager, you know, as I say. I mean, because just of the things that I just talked about earlier, Alex, all of those things have to fall in place. You have a lot, a lot of considerations that have to fall in place when you're acquiring players of, uh, of this magnitude and that make this much of a difference money-wise, especially this year. Well, let me ask you this, because we probably already talked too much about a 32-year-old receiver that isn't even on the team. Um, when it comes to the changing culture about OTAs and veterans' presence there or lack thereof, 
How much of a loss is it if you were just, you know, back Dave McGinnis coached the Arizona Cardinals again and had a team with a lot of, um, you know, less attendance or, or some, you know, in mass not attending at all these voluntary OTAs, how much of a difference would that have made for you as a coach? Or what's the impact of that? I mean, does it make a difference? Maybe it doesn't. Well, it's a CBA. I mean, it, it was it, it was collectively bargained, and that's and they 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 got this in their collective bargaining agreement. That's voluntary. So you so as soon as this came in, Alex, when I was coaching, you live with it. That's exactly what you do. And then so you just concentrate on the players that are there and knowing that those other guys are going to be there. And I think you know something that that really kind of moved the needle a little bit on this was what happened last year because nobody was there anytime. Nobody was there anytime, and you still played every game. You played every game. And, and still took it all the way through to the Super Bowl. And so it's not – look, if you, if, if you as, a, as a coach and as a coaching staff, you've got to be comfortable enough in your own skin to know that you are going to be able to make it work, you know, under the guise of what the rules are. You can't get all worried about trying to micromanage something that has been collectively bargained that is, you know, that is, would be a, a, a blatant violation if you said, hey, I don't care what the CBA says, you've got to be here. You can't do that. That's not the world of professional football now. Just not. I'm with Coach Mack talking uh, all things Titans and NFL. There are a bunch of young dudes who are getting some great work, Coach, including a bunch of second-year guys who didn't get to do any of this stuff last year. Yeah, well, that's important. It's important for them, you know, just, you know, just, you know, watching Darrington Evans, you know, out there, you know, and being able to watch Christian Fulton, you know, out there. I mean, this is important for them. And the point that you bring up is is very real. They didn't get anything of this last year and then they were injured. And so they really haven't had any type of baptism in the National Football League as far as, you know, a lengthy game experience. And so this 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 is helping a lot. This helps them a lot, and, and, they, and they know that they needed it. You know, they all know that they needed it, you know, and so th- that is, that's important, and that's what you look at right now. And, and, you know, without a lot of veterans there, then, then the, the coaches can really spend all their time, you know, with these young players because these young players, when they come into the National Football League, regardless of how prominent they were at their universities, whatever division it was, you know, it's still you come into the National Football League you don't know whether you're foot or horseback. It's a different world for those guys, a different world. And so this is helping them get both feet on the ground. And the longer that they can do this, the better off they're going to be. They need to be taking advantage of this. Well, I look at somebody like Darrington Evans, who Titans fans didn't get much of a look at at all last year. But, you know, my school, Arkansas State, is a Sunbelt school. I saw way too much of this guy. He is such a versatile chess piece. I know he ran, did some work at wide receiver can work in the return game, can run the ball. I think he's a real interesting guy, Coach. Again, we only got a peep at what he could do last year, but he could be a really interesting part of this offense uh, going forward. Yeah, he, he was working at receiver just, just to learn how to run routes. He's not going to play receiver, but he is going to he is gonna move, move out of the backfield and, sure. and, get, and, get, and get spread out to try to get matchups. He will do that. And so, yes, I mean, that's why he was brought in here. And the other thing about him, too, Mickey, I know we've talked about it, you and I have, standing out there at practice. I mean, he's not just a little scat back. I mean, he ran the inside and the outside zone there at App State a lot, a lot. He, he, knows how to, he knows how to run that. So you don't have to change your run game at all when he's in there. He can run that inside and outside zone. He can run the gap scheme. He can, he can do it all. But he needs to be healthy. He needs right. to be healthy and he needs to get this under him. Because, look, if you're not healthy and you're not available, well, then – it's you can't talk about you because 
I mean, you and I are doing as much good as they are if they're not healthy. Well, I heard you on J Mart and Ramon this morning too. You're the hardest working man in show business. You guys were talking about Monty Rice, and it sounds like they're really like he's he's getting a lot of work right now, a lot of work from the head coach. Well, yeah, and that's good because you know Mike Vrabel is you know is 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 teaching him exactly what he's going to have to be able to take on, especially being back there, you know, calling calling everything out. And look, it's it's completely different for him too. Those second level players that come into the league, I've had a lot of rookies in my years of coaching the National Football League come in and stand behind that line. I mean, their their whole field of vision is entirely different in the National Football League than it than it is in the collegiate game. And things happen so much quicker. Offensive linemen are so much more athletic. They're on top of you so much faster. You've got to be able to, you know, to, to key and diagnose and then read and react and then use your, use your hands, you know, cause you basically, if you're a better athlete in the collegiate game, you can get by with dipping your shoulders and playing a jazz game against blockers. You can't do that in the National football league. You've got to get arm extension and you've got to shock and shed and get off because the offensive line and the people blocking you are too athletic. They're too good and they're too big. So there's a lot of things that you have to learn. And this is a great time for him. You know, and I, I told that today on the, uh, you know, this morning, if you heard me, I mean, you know, Raver one time, you know, said, okay, look, you know, for a while, nobody else talked. Let him call it all, which is good. This is what you got to do. If a guy's going to wear the hat, you've got to put the hat on him. And so that's good for him. Would you say short of maybe quarterback? I mean, that position is the thinking man's position, right? I mean, it's probably chief on the defense as far as, you know, having to have the requisite intellect to play that successfully. Yeah, two, two, two places, Alex. You know, the, 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 the signal caller, the green dot guy, all right, at the second level linebacker, and then the safeties, you know, because the safeties have to make a lot of adjustments. The National Football League is a game of adjustments, you know, especially against personnel, motion, splits, all of those types of things. Those two, those two positions have a, a better view of all of it. Safeties clearly they're back further, they see it, but it happens, it happens to them a little later. On the line of scrimmage as a middle linebacker, you've got to be able to key and diagnose really quick. And a lot of and your defense depends on you getting them in the right spot with shifts and motions because you're not going to stay stagnant as a defense, especially your front seven. When they start shifting and motioning and moving people, you've got to readjust to put yourself in the best uh, uh, place to be able to defend what you think is coming. So I would say, yes, I mean, absolutely. They've got to know it. They've got to know it like a coach there and at the safety particularly. What's the best way, uh, Coach Mack with us, uh, one my last question for you would be, what is the best way then, I'm, I'm always so curious in the evaluation of this, to assess during the draft process, whatever time you get with them, whether it's in person during a normal year or now virtually, what have you, uh, an ability, a guy's ability to take on something quickly, right? May have been, may have looked really smart in college because he was a great athlete, but you don't know until you probably have a conversation with him, right? I mean, is that one of, is that harder to assess than athletic traits, which you can see on film, you can see them at the combine, you can see them in many places. Yeah, it is because you got to get to know the person first. And then, you know, because you can get by, you can get by on athleticism in college. You really can. You can get by on really, on really great athleticism. But when you start getting nuanced into what it takes to, to be able to play down in and down out, week in and week out in the National Football League, then you've got to know the person. And you've got to know, you've got to know not only how they can grasp what you're doing, but how they can handle it in a stress situation. Because, you know, it's, it's easy to make those calls in a walkthrough. But it's not so easy to make those calls when, you know, everybody's flying past you and then at the same time hitting you in the face. So you've got to get to know the person. And that that takes time. Coach, we love getting to know you talking football with you every week. Thank you for the time and uh, can't wait to talk to you next week, sir. 
Guys, it's my pleasure. Mickey, always great to talk to you, and it's great to talk to a fellow frog, Alex Apple. UTC, you guys stick together. Thank you, Coach. Uh, See you, guys. There's uh, there's some thank you, Coach. There's some news about Delaney Walker and a potential homecoming for Delaney Walker. I'll explain next. Delaney and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Alex Apple hanging out for Blaine. Well, Blaine gets some much-needed R&R. So wherever you are, hit, man. We hope you're having a good time. Two hours Mitchell has flown by. Two hours in the blink of an eye. We appreciate uh, all of you who spend the time with us. We had a call from a lovely uh, young lady today, Annette, who had a just, it was just spilling one story after the next, um, that she worked for the World Football League in Memphis in the 70s, then casually mentioned that she was the PR director for the Atlanta Hawks. She said that like I would <laughs> say, threw that I in like taco for, yes. Well, then I went to Atlanta and worked for the, I was the PR lady for the Hawks for a while. But anyway, um, it, it, she just dropped that. She would rival Coach Mack's in, institutional encyclopedia knowledge of random history. Well, and, and you know, Coach Mack, anything you say, it's like, gosh, my friend had a birthday party the other night. We got crazy. It was wild. And Coach Mack's like, Coach Mack had a 50th birthday party at a brewery in Munich, Germany. He fought when the Bears played the Berlin. 49ers. His birthday, with, yeah. the, his birthday with the Bears in Berlin. Yeah. And, and he just says that like like any of us would say, uh, yeah, I just dropped my son off at preschool for the day. Coach Mack's like, yeah, Coach Mack had a birthday party in Berlin at a brewery when the Bears played the 49ers in Germany. It was his 40th birthday party, I think is what he said. But it, regardless of what birthday it was, that's just fantastic. And that was Annette, the caller. So uh, we'll have to get her on one day because I got a feeling there's a lot of stories uh, that she could tell about a lot of people that a lot of you would know about. But Annette, uh, we, and she said she listens every day. Annette, uh, thank you. You're a beautiful human being. We appreciate you listening. Um, the guy who I have called for a lot of years, the greatest free agent acquisition that the Titans have ever had, not draft pick, not the greatest free agent, Delaney Walker. Now, I know some of you might say Kevin Carter. Some of you might say KVB, and, and, and I'll, I'll give you either one of those. But Delaney Walker was a one-man gang offensively for this team for two or three years to the point that he even said one day in a post-game interview, they know I'm the only guy that's getting it, and they still can't stop me. And I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> but whatever he said was way cooler than that. But he basically said that in a post-game, like, I'm the only guy that's getting it, and they know I'm getting it, and they still can't stop me. Here's the thing. They couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop Delaney Walker. Now, what stopped him was Father Time stepped in. Some injuries got a little bit beat up. But I mentioned a homecoming for Delaney Walker. There are Titans fans who want him to come back. Unfortunately, that homecoming may be to his original NFL team, Alex Apple. Looks like he's got a visit. Mike Garofolo reporting flying to Santa Clara to work out for the 49ers tomorrow. So a homecoming, but maybe not the one Titans fans wanted. That was what you call a good tease in the broadcast business. Welcome back for that news, Titans fans. (laughs) Sorry. Well, you know, it's not too far-fetched for people to wonder if if that was meaning the Titans. I mean, you know, a depth add at this point, probably somebody that you could get – 10 to 20 snaps out of a game. I have no, what does that guy have left in the tank? We have no idea to even put a perspective into whether that would I mean, is he even as good as Michael Pruitt anymore? I mean, can he run? Can he separate? I mean, you're not going to sign this guy to be 
a blocker. You can find those guys. So, you know, I, I hope if he wants to play, I hope he gets to play because he was an absolute legend for the Titans. And I think if you were asking me, I would put him ahead of Kevin Carter, ahead of Vanden Bosch, maybe a little more narrowly, probably is the best free agent signing in Titans history. Garofalo, certainly the best offensive. Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, like I said, a one. Uh, this, this team superstars for a number of years on bad teams were Delaney Walker and Jarrell Casey. And, and I hope I hope how great Jarrell Casey was for this team because he was a perennial pro bowler. I hope people realize how great he was because he was, you know, Jarrell just, you'd ask him about football. Did you love football growing up? No, I just played. He didn't have a favorite team. He wasn't one of these guys that just lived and breathed football, but he loved to play football. And he was great at playing. And he was really, really good for this team for a long time. And I hope people realize that. You know, Delaney's playing an offensive position and he's catching, you know, a thousand yard season. For a while, it was Kendall Wright. Then the next guy from this team to have a thousand yard season, the answer was Delaney Walker until A.J. Brown was able to do it as a wide receiver again. But Delaney was playing a higher profile position in an offense that really valued throwing to the tight end. Jerome was just a big guy out there making plays, we, you know, day after day. Often week overlooked. After week. Well, Often speaking overlooked. of offense, Todd Downing, the new offensive coordinator for the Titans, tomorrow, right at the beginning of our show, we'll be addressing the media, Shane Bowen as well. We'll listen into that. Uh, be really interesting to hear those guys talk for the first time, you know, with their new positions. Uh, the put, Titans are putting a lot of stock in those two guys. A lot of stock. All players aside. Those two guys got to get it done this year. Yes, they absolutely do. And we'll have that buck rising. We'll have, I guess, the first half of the press conference. Then we'll run the second half of it. So stay tuned for Buck and then for us. And then 3HL will break it down. And 3HL will continue to break it down. And right now, 3HL will break down the rest of what's going on in today's sports day. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Thank you, Alex, for hanging out. Great job today, as always, by Lucas Panzica. And happy birthday, Tennessee. We love you.